Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. Have respect unto the covenant, O Lord. O let not the oppressed return ashamed. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Forget not the voice of thine enemies. O God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion wherein thou hast dwelt. Forget not the congregation of thy poor forever. Let the poor and needy praise thy name. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Have respect unto thy covenant, O Lord. O let not the oppressed return ashamed. Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. Forget not the voice of thine enemies.
The Old Testament lesson for the 13th Sunday after Trinity is written in the 28th chapter of the second book of Chronicles, beginning at the 8th verse. The children of Israel carried away captive of their brothers 200,000 women, sons, and daughters, and also took away much plunder from them, and brought the plunder to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded, and he went out to meet the army that came to Samaria, and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah, he has delivered them into your hand. And you have slain them in a rage which has reached up to heaven. Now you intend to degrade the children of Judah and Jerusalem as male and female slaves for yourselves. Aren't there even with you trespasses of your own against the Lord your God? Now hear me therefore and send back the captives that you have taken captive from your brothers, for the fierce wrath of the Lord is on you. Then some of the heads of the children of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Johanan, Berechiah the son of Meshillamoth, Jehezekiah the son of Shalom, and Amasa the son of Hadlai, stood up against those who came from the war and said to them, You must not bring in the captives here, for you intend that which will bring on us a trespass against the Lord, to add to our sins and to our guilt. For our guilt is great, and there is fierce wrath against Israel." So the armed men left the captives and the plunder before the princes and all the assembly. The men who have been mentioned by name rose up and took the captives, and with the plunder clothed all who were naked among them, dressed them, gave them sandals, and gave them something to eat and to drink, anointed them, carried all the feeble of them on donkeys, and brought them to Jericho, the city of palm trees, to their brothers. Then they returned to Samaria." O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the third chapter of Galatians, beginning at the fifteenth verse. Brothers, speaking of human terms, though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been confirmed, no one makes it void or adds to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his offspring. He doesn't say, to descendants, to offsprings, as of many, but as of one, to your offspring, which is Christ. Now I say this, a covenant confirmed beforehand by God in Christ, the law, which came 430 years after that, does not annul so as to make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no more of promise, but God has granted it to Abraham by promise. Then why is there a law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. It was ordained through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator is not between one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could make alive, most certainly righteousness would have been of the law. But the scriptures imprisoned all things under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. 
Alleluia, O Lord God of my salvation. I have cried out day and night before thee. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the tenth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see the things which you see and didn't see them, and to hear the things which you hear and didn't hear them. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbors as yourself. He said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Jesus answered, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who both stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance, a certain priest was going down that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he traveled, came where he was. When he saw him, he was moved with compassion, came to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the host, and said, Take care of him. Whatever you spend beyond that, I will repay you when I return. Now, which of these three do you think seemed to be a neighbor to him who fell among the robbers? He said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's now September, and you know what that means. Christmas decorations are about to go up in every store. Forget about the pumpkin spice, forget about Halloween, forget about Thanksgiving. They're going straight to Christmas, which means our kids will go into the stores with us and see all about Christmas. They'll begin to think about Christmas in September, ask about it for three months. They'll obsess about it for weeks. So for three months in stores and in our kids' heads, it'll be nothing but Christmas. But time does march on. Eventually Christmas will come. The kids will wake up in the morning. They'll see the presents. They'll rattle them. They'll hear it inside. They'll try to guess what it is. It's September right now, but months and months of anticipation and waiting will eventually come to a head on Christmas morning. And you know that's when you're going to see their eyes get wide and they jump up and down in excitement. 
Now our Lord today says that the Old Testament prophets and the kings also had something that they obsessed over, which they were dying to see and hear like those kids on Christmas morning. Our Lord tells his disciples in private at the beginning of our gospel, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. As our kids walk into these stores in the coming month, we know what they'll want. They want snow, they want presents, they want to play with their toys and their pajamas. But what about the prophets and the kings? What did they desire to see and to hear? What was it the disciples saw and heard that they hadn't gotten to yet? Well, let's continue with the gospel. It goes on to say, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, our Lord is wise. He's setting all this up. He told, the desires about, he told the disciples about the desires of the prophets and the kings, knowing that this question was about to come. As if our Lord were begging us to compare the desires of the prophets and kings of old to the desire of this lawyer. So let's, let's compare these two then. From the lawyer's question, we see what he is obsessed with. He asks, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's what it is, eternal life. That's what, he's, that's what he is obsessed with. And really, who can blame him for that? Don't we share in that obsession? Isn't our world obsessed about eternal life? After all, every major religion will teach you or try to teach you how to earn eternal life. We ourselves, we congregate every week to hear about eternal life, even if someone's agnostic or atheist. They still want to live forever. They just try to find that through medicine or science or technology. People even try to live forever through art. They think that if they can be remembered forever, then that's at least better than being forgotten. So that if they're remembered forever, even if they die, they'll in a certain way live. So everyone obsesses over eternal life. No one wants to die. And this is an obsession not just that we have today. Even, even the ancients obsessed over eternal life. Including those Old Testament prophets and kings. We all want eternal life. No one wants to die. So this desire and obsession, that's what it is over eternal life. But here with the lawyer, that's not the only obsession. It's, his obsession is really over how to obtain eternal life. What shall I do to inherit eternal life is what he asks. That's his obsession, obtaining eternal life. But here in this scenario, He's asking this question not really because he doesn't know. He's asking it to test our Lord, to tempt our Lord into a false answer, to trick him. Which means the lawyer, he assumes that he knows the answer already. And what would a lawyer, any lawyer, be tempted to think the way to, in to inherit eternal life is? He's a lawyer. 
It's obvious. He believes eternal life is inherited by fulfilling the law. Our Lord knows this. And so he volleys back to the lawyer, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And this Jewish lawyer now has a chance to show off his expertise. And without a beat, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. These are easy questions between these two. One's a Jewish rabbi, one's a Jewish lawyer. They're volleying easy questions back and forth. And this is easy because the Old Testament is very clear on this. If you fulfill the law of God, the law promises you that you will inherit eternal life. But, for everyone in the crowd, this makes sense so far. This is very easy. But not if you're Christ's disciples. For Christ's disciples who are listening to this, if you heard what our Lord said before this exchange, and then you heard this exchange afterward, there's a problem. So consider this. The prophets and kings had the Old Testament scriptures, just like Christ and this lawyer. They had the law of God. In fact, many who wrote the Psalms spoke of how they praised the law of God. They loved the law of God. So those of the Old Testament, they know, like this lawyer did, that fulfilling the law meant they'd inherit eternal life. So if the prophets and kings had all of this that the lawyer had, then what were they waiting for? What did they want to see and hear? If they knew they could inherit eternal life by fulfilling the law, what were they so eager in waiting for? Why wouldn't they instead be obsessed like, with, like this lawyer with obtaining eternal life through the law instead of being obsessed with something that had not yet come? Why did this lawyer desire and obsess over how he could inherit eternal life through the law? Why did he obsess over that instead of obsessing like those of the Old Testament for something to come? They all have the Old Testament. They all have the law. They all obsess over eternal life, but their desires are very different. So it doesn't really add up, doesn't, does it? Those are the Old Testament. And this lawyer, they're not seeing things the same way. So what is going on? Well, the gospel continues. It says, But the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? The evangelist tells us exactly what the lawyer desires. To justify himself. That's exactly it. To justify himself through the law. But now, while all the other questions were easy, here's where the lawyer really wants to trap our Lord. This is the toughest of the questions. And it's an important question. Because inheriting eternal life clings to this question. Who is my neighbor? The first commandment, to love the Lord your God, devote yourself entirely to Him. That's easy. Everyone thinks they know who God is. Everyone thinks they know how to devote themselves to God. But this second commandment that the lawyer lists, it's impossible to understand unless you know who your neighbor is. Not the part of loving your neighbor as yourself. 
Loving someone as yourself takes empathy and sympathy. That can be done. The part that's difficult to understand is, who is my neighbor? Who am I supposed to be empathetic and sympathetic to? That's the tricky part. That's the trap. But to inherit eternal life, you have to know who your neighbor is. So our Lord answers, but with the story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Let's stop there for a moment. The priest and the Levite, like the lawyer, were obsessed with keeping the law for eternal life. So why then did they pass this half-dead man on the road and ignore him? If you understand them, the answer is pretty easy. They didn't believe this man was their neighbor. And since this man was not their neighbor, and since he was bloody and therefore unclean, ritually unclean, they felt they that they were better fulfilling the law by passing him by and keeping themselves clean. They thought it better to, to fulfill the law to let him die and keep themselves clean. That was their thought about who was their neighbor, which is how the lawyer thought as well about who was his neighbor. But ask yourselves this question, because the disciples must have had to ask themselves this question. Is this the type of situation or scenario that the Old Testament prophets and kings were eager to see and hear? Is this why the men of old delighted in the law and praised it? So that it may lead to such behavior and fruits of obedience to leave a half-dead man in the ditch to despise him and leave him to die after he's been stripped, robbed, and beaten. To forget about someone you see on the road that's in need to keep yourself clean. Is that the type of thing the Old Testament prophets and kings looked forward to? Keep that question in mind because our Lord continues the story. He says, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Let's ask the same question of the Samaritan. Did the Samaritan fulfill the law? Jews and Samaritans were rivals. They didn't consider themselves neighbors by any means. So by the priests and the Levites' way of thinking, since the Samaritan helped someone who wasn't his neighbor, that no one considered to be his neighbor, then the Samaritan did nothing to fulfill the law. By the lawyer's understanding of who was his neighbor, the Samaritan was a fool and wasted his money and time 
for someone who wasn't his neighbor? Why go to great lengths to sully yourself, to make yourself unclean for a man whom no one considers to be your neighbor, which doesn't fulfill the law? Why do it when it doesn't seem to inherit you eternal life? So by the lawyer's standard, the Samaritan had to have been a fool. But again, ask yourselves the same question. With the Samaritan and this man, is this situation or scenario one of compassion and sympathy, that it is, is this situation and scenario what the prophets and kings were eager to see and hear? Is this compassion and sympathy why the men of old delighted in the law and praised it? So it may lead to a behavior and fruit of faith where a dead man may be shown charity and brought back to life after being left helpless. So that one may pay the price and become unclean so that others may be made clean and live. Which of the two scenarios do you think the prophets and the kings were eager to see? And our Lord asked this question of the lawyer, but in a different way. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And for as blind as the lawyer has been, he gives the right answer. The one who showed him mercy. That's the answer. That's what the prophets and kings of old so very much desired to see and hear. Mercy, and not just mercy, but divine mercy that the world thinks is foolish. The prophets and kings, they knew the law, they rejoiced in it. Not because they thought they were able to fulfill the law themselves. That's what the Levite and priest and lawyer thought. They thought they could fulfill the law themselves. But that's not what the prophets and kings of old believed. Instead, those of the Old Testament rejoiced in the law because it showed them their sin, brought them to repentance, and pointed them to divine mercy, which was to come. Divine, the promise of divine mercy that they clung to. The divine mercy which would be seen in the Son of God incarnate on Christmas morning. The divine mercy which would be heard in the incarnate Son of God teaching and catechizing the way to eternal life. The divine mercy which saw us dead came to us and healed us as Christ took all our sin and wretchedness and became unclean for us on the cross. Divine mercy which paid the price for our sin in abundance with the death of God. What was it that the men of old desired to see and hear? It was the flesh and blood of Christ who would fulfill the law for them, who would inherit eternal life on their behalf, who would give them that eternal life and his own righteousness without any merit or work from them. The men of old desired to see and hear Christ crucified, what you see and hear every Sunday. People for thousands of years desired to see what you see and hear every Sunday. This is what the lawyer misses, even though he answers correctly. He's so focused on himself, he doesn't see what those of the Old Testament wanted to see and hear. And so our Lord ends by telling him, you go 
And as the Samaritan did, you do likewise. That is, love the law of God. Show mercy. If you noticed, what our Lord tells us to do here at the end is exactly what we prayed for in the collect. We prayed, give us an increase of faith, hope, and love. Make us or recreate us in baptism to love what you have commanded. The lawyer hears this prayer and prays this, hoping to inherit eternal life by fulfilling the law. But that's not how we pray it. We pray this desiring what the prophets and the kings of old desired. We desire faith be given to us because our Lord died on the cross for us and we see and we hear it. We desire hope because our Lord was raised from the dead. We desire charity for others to make others that are foreign to us our own neighbors, our own brothers in Christ. Because while we were foreign from God, Christ first loved us, was charitable to us. We love the law of God not because we think it will make us alive, but because the gospel has brought life to us. And the law shows us what the God who loves us desires from us. We desire to be charitable now because right now we have with us right now we have with us every time we congregate together we have Christ crucified. We have what the Old Testament people wanted. And because we have that, that is why we want to be charitable to others. So then today, may we gaze upon Christ crucified like a child on Christmas morning. May we remain in the waters of baptism as the Word of God forgives us. May we partake in the body and blood of Christ to increase in us faith, hope, and charity. And may this increase of that fruit happen in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, and beyond. Because until that day in Christ, may, we, may that happen and continue to happen until that day in Christ where we fully obtain eternal life from Him. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.
upon thee to deliver me when it's humble thyself to be born of a virgin and thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers thou sittest at the right hand of God mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain that which you promise. Make us to love that which you command. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily, we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, 
with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise. 
and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.